0: Captain's Log, Stardate 2818. Mission, well good movies. Defined, some well good movies. We are deep into space looking for the famed and ancient movie vault, as prophesied by the ancient film god. Mr. Troy, tell us the mission report.
1: Uh, everything's pretty good, Captain. We're going ahead one quarter impulse speed. Uh, I kind of noticed there's a taco planet coming up in 15 bar We don't have time for that. You wanted Mr. to no, maybe we'd... do a get, call, call someone up from uh, uh, get, a, up. get a shuttle to check with engineering. Get some taco will pad through Commander Hill.
2: Sweet mother of Salek, it's all gone to pot. The engines are on fire. We've got Swiss Lodge coming out of our Jeffrey's tubes. Oh my giddy aunt, the whole ship's gonna explode in a proxy.
0: Is there any chance of saving the ship? I'm not a medical worker,
2: Hayden. There's zero chance of saving this hump of rubbish.
1: What if I just put him on silent for uh, a while? Yeah, yeah, that might work. Okay,
0: we need to know what's best to do from here. Maybe best to hail uh, Admiral My chair Mc- is getting warm. <laughs> uh, well, we definitely need to get some help on this then. Patch me through to Commander MacDonald. Oh, man, I hate that guy.
3: What the hell is going on here?
0: Craig, we, uh, we need your help. We need to know what... No, no, no,
3: our... no, 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 no. Like, are you guys doing Star Trek?
0: Craig, go along with the joke. What? The tackle, go along with the joke. Yeah. Are, you, are you in on this?
3: I thought we were doing Star Wars.
0: Why would we do Star Wars?
3: Are you joking? David, Rise of Skywalker's coming out this month. This episode is coming out... As it's coming out, oh. why, are we, why are we doing Star Trek? Oh, yeah.
1: I just kind of got really wrapped up in the idea of there being a tackle planet. Yeah. Are
3: you joking? I'm dressed as a Mandalorian right now. It's like, what?
1: We didn't think this through, guys. We're just going to have to run with Wait, it. Wait, so that... I've got a really good idea. That works, right? He can't speak now. <laughs> uh, that, that's
3: That's... Yeah, I'm going to go and change, guys. Like, come on. Frankly,
0: my dear, I don't give a. Why are you not entertained? I'm going right. to Turn around! Ah!
4: Here's Johnny. It's not the best, but it's a very good movie. Well,
2: good movies.
0: Yes, welcome to Well Good Movies, the podcast that gives you the topics worth discussing and the movies worth watching. I'm your host, David Osger, and today, pretty much out worldwide, is The Rise of Skywalker, the brand new Star Wars film. So what better chance than to talk about Star Trek? We're not joking. Our website is Fresh Take, and, you know, we like to take the alternate or fresh take here at Well Good Movies, so we thought we'd use this chance to talk about the director of Rise of Skywalker, J.J. Abrams, and pretty much how he got the Star Wars gig, which was through two Star Trek films. So... He directed Force Awakens and has directed Rise of Skywalker, but we're going to be sort of asking ourselves, was he the right man for the job based on how he did Star Trek? So to go through all that, got some great guests with me today. Uh, First of all is comedian, film nerd. He's been on the show before, but first time being on Well Good Movies officially uh, since it's been renamed. Uh, It is Matt Troy. Hello. Hello. How are you today? I'm
1: very good. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, are, are you Star Wars, Star Trek? Where, where do you usually come down on? Um, I was raised Star Wars, but um, I definitely spent a lot of time in uh, in the other universe, too. I thought you were actually going to say, I was raised on Tatooine. <laughs> 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 uh, I an
3: old man looking after me from a distance. <laughs> uh, <laughs>
0: and obviously, you've uh, hosted a Star Wars quiz,
1: which, uh, you know... Won. <laughs> yeah, so. I mean, I think for, you only For ever,
3: clarification, David won it. I was just there. I think <laughs> um, you
1: only ever get me on this podcast so David can remind people that he won my Star Wars quiz. Yeah, pretty much, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: are you, what, what's your sort of brief feelings of
1: the new Star Wars trilogy now that we have got the new ones coming out? I am looking forward to the new one with cautious optimism. Yeah. Like, yeah, I, I enjoyed the other two. Um, I have my issues with them, you know, like uh, any long-term fan would, I guess, you know, whenever there's... The, the, Something new created, but yeah, you know, a, a, a positive. Yeah, I think that's a fair fair
0: assumption. So, and with new Trek, obviously, if you can say that now, because I think it's still been about two, three years since the last film. But you know, with yay, nay, where, where do you come down briefly on
1: that? Um, less, less so. Yeah. Um, though it, it was really weird. I think that you, Star Trek has been like a sort of a long road for a long time. Then all of a sudden, somebody came in and was just just build a cul de sac. Mm. And that's what they've done. They've built, like, this weird new Trek cul-de-sac. Yeah. And then after a while, like, nobody likes it. Yeah. And then they've gone back onto the main timeline and, and carried on there. So, you know, it's got its ups and downs, like, any anything, yeah. Yeah, be an interesting conversation, definitely. So uh, joining us as well is
0: uh, fellow film nerd, historian, uh, actor, Die Hill, who uh, Hello. is also meant to be a Star Trek fanatic. Where, where do you come down on sort of Star Trek, Star Wars? Is it always oh. been Trek or...?
2: Well, I was the opposite of Matt. I grew up watching Star Trek on the telly and Mm. it took me years and years and years to discover that Star Wars was even a thing. Oh, right, okay. Um, But, I mean, I like them both, you know, because they're Mm. very different things, really. Yeah. Um, But uh, I'm a big lover of of Star Trek.
0: That's good. So, yeah, we've got some good balance here of uh, knowledge. Again, briefly, new Trek, yay or nay?
2: Nay. I think they're they're like, (laughs) they're giving it a good go, but they're just sort of not getting there and ending up making really rubbish things Mm, Okay. Um, yeah
0: so yeah it'll be interesting conversation today so we'll mainly focus on like the suit to jj abrams films uh but obviously we can then spin off if we do have time to talk about beyond which then sort of spawned from the first two films um and maybe his take on on the star wars franchise thus far as usual as well i have my co-host craig mcdonald hello you right
3: yeah i'm good cool
0: uh (laughs) First of all, I just wanted to like I said, uh Dai has said that he is um a Star Trek sort of like expert. So I thought it'd be fun to do a quick little uh game. Don't worry, this is not actually like questions. This is just like Just think a- of this like a census. Yeah, it's it's a quick fire quick fire questions on your opinion, just so we can get a little round off of, of your feelings towards a few Star Trek things. So just quick fire, quick fire answers. First thing that comes to your mind, um, and it's just opinion based, there might be some weird ones chucked in there as well for, for good measure. So, are you ready? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going anyway. <laughs> Three, two, one Trekkies or Trekker? Trekkies. Best captain? Uh, Picard. Uh, best series?
2: Next generation?
0: Red, gold, or blue? Gold. Uh, what Picard meme are you?
2: Oh, I don't know any of that. Isn't there the one where he does his face slap, head slap? That's a good one. Yeah. yeah. I
0: think you're
1: more of the the sexy one. Picard in a chair.
2: <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, there's a video of him playing his uh, flute. That's the best <laughs> yeah. one. Yeah.
0: yeah. So between saucy Picard and uh, <laughs> <laughs> instrumental Picard. Yeah. Um, you're falling off a building. Do you cling on or cling on?
2: I <laughs> <laughs> uh, Cling uh, cling on.
0: Cling on. <laughs> <I don't laughs> uh, Shatner or Nimoy? Uh, Nimoy. Pine or Quinto?
2: Oh, <laughs> this may me slightly
0: sad. <laughs> Is this a
1: furniture question? <laughs> Just wait.
2: I mean, pine, uh, birch or pimpto? Birch. <laughs> <laughs> Speaks in Klingon. Uh, I don't know any Klingon. Just ha! ha blood wine. Clack <laughs> clack clac, clac. Um Orion or Andorian? What well, Andorian?
0: Uh, weapon of choice.
2: Oh, yeah. Weapon of choice? In general. uh, Yeah. Batleth.
0: And Space Chiquitos or Space Nandos? What's what's Chiquitos? Um, Mexican, I think, kind of. I knew there would be a Planet of Tacos. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's (laughs) ironic, actually, after that conversation.
2: Yeah. Chiquitos, then.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Cool that wraps up our quickfire round for, for die. Yeah, just to let you know, birch or pimpto is just a type of tree and a type of bean. <laughs> I was just just messing with you there, just because pine and quinto just sounded so yeah. not like human people. <laughs> it sounded
3: funny to them.
0: That's how they act as well. The,
3: the <laughs> sad thing is as well, like, you were slightly prepared for that because of the, the brief dialogue between Matt and David of is this a furniture question? Just wait. Uh, yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was interested as well in the Trekkies or Trekker because I was watching
0: one of the documentaries on the behind the scenes of the films and they was like, oh, I found out there's not actually Trekkie. Apparently it's Trekker." And I was just like, such, such really? That sounds like a backpacker. Yeah. yeah I, don't so, I, I don't know. Can I do that quiz? Yeah, go. On. <laughs> okay, yeah. Sweet. Go on, yes. go on. Okay, ready. Yeah. Trekkies or Trekker? Trekkie. Best captain?
1: Cisco. Best series? Deep Space Nine. Red, gold, or blue? Blue. What Picard meme are you? Ah, um, oh, come on.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh, you're falling off a building. Do you Klingon or Klingon? If I am falling off a building, I'm doing it for the glory of the Empire. <laughs> Shatner or Nimoy? Nimoy. Pino Quinto? Quinto. Birch or Pinto? Birch. Uh, speak some Klingon. Stovokor. Orion or uh, Andorian? Andorian. Uh, weapon of choice?
1: Oh, disruptor. And space chiquitos or space nandos or tackle planet. <laughs> I think I mean I'm just I don't want to split the group so let's go with space chiquitos. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. That's what we're all going after. Yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah,
2: the ship
3: is not going to like divert on. We can China separate Prime. the saucer section
2: it's, so that some of us can go to one. Yeah, <laughs> this can go in the, to well, the other. I was going
3: to say I don't like either of them, so at this point it doesn't really matter. Or you can oh, have fries. Well, is, what's that advert for is it just eat or deliveroo where they're like oh, i've got
0: your burger king i've got your chinese i've got i'm like this is yeah. madness this is this yeah. oh that advert's now been banned <laughs> oh good because that that is just pure chaos anybody who lives like that should be you yeah, know banned themselves
1: <laughs> cancel them <laughs> yes <laughs> cancel culture why are you talking to me man
4: father was captain of a starship for 12 minutes he saved 800 lives including yours i dare you to do better enlist in starfleet
0: you will experience fear fear in the face of certain death
4: pull your shoes
3: We received a distress call. I've been waiting for this day my whole life. This day of reckoning.
4: I've got no captain and no first officer to replace him. Yeah, we do.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's interesting to see that trailer now because it's very much of its time 2009. Like, if that was a modern trailer, I think it... Well, you could actually see it from the Star Trek Beyond. It was just like, let's play some 80s, like, music or, like, you know, like, let's play some, uh, yeah, popular
3: song from the 90s or, you know, whatever. Basically, but, uh, a trailer right before Guardians of the Galaxy basically just redefined how trailers is. Yeah, whereas this one is very much that, like, epic music and, like, he
0: was a great man and they're just showing sh- slow-mo shots of... Uh, yeah,
3: the Hans Han Zimmer... Era, as, yeah. I, as I know
0: it. Uh, yeah. So, like I said, this is the 2009 Star Trek. So J.J. Abrams directed. The main uh, sort of team you had behind it was Alex Kurtman, uh, Kurtzman, Kurtzman, uh, Robert Orkey, uh as writers slash producers, and then you had Damon Lindelof and Brian Burke, uh, which has obviously been linked to uh, Abrams before. So, uh, Dai, what what was your feelings on on the 2009 Star Trek? you know, when you first saw it or now. Or-
2: yeah, well, we watched it again uh, this week. Um, it's a fun movie. Yeah, It's not a good movie, mm. and it's not really... Like, the thing I ever said is, oh, it's not really a Star Trek movie. And you, can, you know, it's sort of... It's got a very specific goal, which is just to get... To just reintroduce all these characters. Mm. Um, and it does it. It's really simple. Things explode. It's mm. underwhelming at the end. Mm. Like, there's not the conclusion is really bland they just sort of like vaguely sort the bad out and then they let him fall in a hole well like a black uh, like a black hole thing Yeah. and then they just run away from it and you're like yeah. oh well you know and so the whole thing you know it's uh, very basic but it sort of it moves at such a speed that you don't mind Yeah. it doesn't try to do anything big and it's, so as long as you're not like stopping and looking at what's happening you don't realise that nothing is really happening
0: yeah exactly matt what was your feelings on
1: yeah, a lot of the same feelings really but i think that i mean it's it is a fun movie um it is and definitely something of its time i think um i think the at the time like the studios thought that maybe they could get away with a bit more interfering with canon than they can now yeah true you know, as a standalone sort of action movie it's great fun to watch mm. um there's a great deal of implausible things for your average Star Trek fan, but your average movie fan is certainly going to get a lot of fun out of that film. Mm. And I think, yeah, it it did bring in a a new generation then of of Star Trek fans, which is great. Um, Yeah, the action set pieces are fine. Um, It's nice to have Leonard Nimoy reprising his role of Spock. Yeah. Uh, Just getting, you know, just before, obviously, Leonard Nimoy's sad demise. Uh, So, yeah, it's not bad. It's definitely... It's, it's one of, well one of my favorite of the three <laughs> of oh, yeah. yeah. the yeah. new attractions. I think it's the most so
2: it's the most successful of the three because it achieves yeah. what it's intending to achieve. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, and I think the, the the redesign of a lot of the stuff is amazing. Yeah, yeah. the redesign of the Enterprise is brilliant. because yeah. it's kind of got its own character to it now. Like it looks more yeah. nimble and like more like a frigate, sort of like you know. Yeah, um, so it feels. It, you can see how it is the original Enterprise but it feels like its own character which is great and the uniforms mm. and uh, everything about the design and the music is amazing as well. Yeah. Um, Michael Giacchino sort of
0: like bringing yeah. it as as usual kind yeah. of thing. So, um, yeah, I think that is definitely a strength for me and and it kind of does carry over a bit into into Darkness which like say so we'll go into later but I think For me, sometimes I am so visual and stuff like that, you know, like because the set design and the costumes are so well done, Mm -hmm. you know, I can just look at it and be like, oh, wow, you know, they've really brought this world to life. But I think what was interesting for me is that I literally had not seen a single Star Trek episode or film before I saw this. So so my dad was like, oh, I want to see that new Star Trek film. And I was like, oh, really? And then uh, one of our friends who's like complete not a nerd, you know, like, you know, will watch things like, you know, the holiday and things like that it was like oh I saw that new Star Trek it was really good and I was like oh well maybe this is worth watching and yeah I did go to see it and I was amazed because it was like experiencing maybe Star Wars or something for the first time because it was this introduction and it was very sort of like you know action focused I, with a lot of technical I stuff i do
1: feel that it was a calling card for jj abraham's making star star wars yeah yeah for sure like that mm-hmm. that's exactly what he was going for he's a star wars fan and he's very very visible in the film yeah he has a very star warsy feel and i i mean I'm, i have mixed feelings about that i feel that you know they did a successful film and they did kind of jumpstart the franchise a bit again yeah um Although I don't think that ultimately what he did was a total success, but it's also got him that role. Exactly. <laughs> it got him into Star Wars.
2: <laughs> for him, or was a success. Yeah, I mean, it's for totally the rest of us, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm not so
0: sure. It's interesting though because he he says that himself when like when you watch the behind the scenes, he was like, "I was never a Star Trek guy. You yeah, know, my, my thing was the Twilight Zone, and that was his favorite t- TV program. Watching up, and he said, you know, I grew up watching the series, but I wasn't a fanatic.'" Um, but you said, you know, at the same time, you got, like, uh, Alex Kurtzman and uh, Roberto Orkey, you know, they were sort of, like, people who sort of knew the franchise, yeah. so they
1: were the ones that were correcting people on set about, like, terminology and stuff. There's so. definitely um, evidence that it's been well-researched. Yeah. But, yeah, um, and, of course, like, the the controversial elements of it tend to be what they—if um, you'll excuse the Star Trek pun for hardcore fans—what they leave behind. Mm. Um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, uh, and I think that, that yeah, that's a thing, and you know, we nobody wants to kind of encourage or um, give sort of any fire to the to the internet trolls about this whole kind of thing mm. but um, there was like a, a, a shift in the whole thing that was that was unusual as a long-term fan in that Star Trek is slightly more philosophical in a fun way yeah, yeah. you know not in, in a more Twilight Zone way actually which is interesting I didn't know about that Twilight Zone fact yeah, yeah. because there's a lot of Star Trek which very closely resembles the Twilight Zone yeah, yeah. like way more so than, than Star Trek ever resembled Star Wars mm. like yeah. there are a lot of very sort of complex puzzle episodes you know mm. so that's quite an interesting point actually yeah i don't know whether he actually had any
0: involvement in that twilight zone film they had a few years ago because that was different directors did each part of it wasn't it so i'm not sure if jj abrams had anything to do with that maybe but i'm not sure that he did yeah i think it was more spielberg was involved in it um but yeah and you know but he did say yes star wars was always my thing but to me that's where i did find it questionable on on the flip side when to me i was like well that that's a clever move is that you know they went to him or to, you know, whoever with the brief that we want to make Star Trek cool um, and we want to bring it into the 21st century. So to me, then sort of taking a slight Star Wars angle to it does kind of make sense because of how much more successful it is. But then that didn't then scream to me, oh, he should definitely do Star Wars because even though I enjoyed Star Trek for being like Star Wars to me as a Star Wars fan, I remember when they first announced the new Star Wars trilogy, they mentioned jj abrams and he originally declined it and said uh no because that's too close to my heart he said something like star trek Mm. i could take because i was like well i've got ideas of how this could develop whereas something like star trek is too close to my childhood for me to properly represent it without being biased and i was like yeah that's a good point i was like get some new blood in there but then they went and employed him and i was like oh i don't know if i like this or not and and the film was actually exactly what you expected you were like yeah, it is what you would expect from Abrams in terms of The Force Awakens now. Very much like Star Trek, that it, it gives you what you want and lots of fanfare and, you know, great visual effects. But it's, again, is whether it's just too on the nose and whether it's some more fresh eyes would have been more... What more I find
3: winning. weird about that comparison, because bringing it slightly back to Star Trek, you know, in terms of what we've been to be talking about... Um, <laughs> well, we did. Yeah, we were saying why he was fighting yeah, yeah, for yeah, the but, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A comparison yeah. what I find weird in that situation is with Star Trek he like the decision was basically made and I think it's a relatively clever decision to not alienate as many uh, hardcore star, uh, star Trek fans as possible uh, to make it clear that this is essentially an an alternate timeline yeah. uh, movie because obviously the the shenanigans that go on <laughs> yeah yeah um, yeah in *Search and which basically means that, like any and all like subsequent changes that happen, you can basically put down to is like yeah. it's not it's not your sacred timeline. Leave it alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it's why it's smart. not surprising yeah. that *Force Awakens* basically comes out as much of a carbon copy of *New Hope* as it does. Yeah, because in the because I'm just like, right, well, if this is so close to your heart, presumably I thought you'd had ideas about what you wanted to do, and you've just gone this film was good wasn't it yeah it's I, just, uh... I,
0: th- I think the difference though is though with star trek obviously they had a lot more free reign and even though they did have uh, like you do see a lot in the behind the scenes where they do talk about well even though we've got this new timeline when they're talking about into darkness they were like it'd be re- very easy for them to do a villain that's completely new because they got a new timeline but then they still go back to calm because they were like well you know how can we not yeah and it's and yeah. it's that that appeal to then say well we can so it is you know so there is that law and it is easy to do i think with star wars there was that expectation of well you have to have leia and han and luke back yeah and then so that limits them and then they're like oh well can we also do that oh no well it has to be post empire it has to be mm. with c3po it has to be i don't i know. just don't
3: think i just don't think the actual restriction. Like they're really that restricting. I think there are elements and you can do a lot of interesting things with it. Yeah,
1: there's nothing to say. There was nothing to
3: say that we had to have those characters be the main characters. We
1: all appreciate that it's such a long time after Return of the Jedi and we knew that whatever roles they played were going to be diminished in terms of action. Yeah, Star Trek, I think you can see
0: where there is that more collaboration of people who are working on the script and J.J. Abrams, where again, Star Wars to me has always seemed to have been um, oh well that was you know that person wrote the script and then J.J. J. Abrams has sort of adapted it and directed it kind of thing whereas Star Trek the 2009 one seemed to be a bit more of a collaborative process in terms of writing it kind yeah. of so, like how so, they do a Marvel film where they're sort of like oh this would be cool if this happened whereas again Force Awakens seems to be more somebody has done the script and then J.J. J. just takes it and sort of meddles with it a bit maybe but which not to say that he wrote the 2009 Star Trek but again I, I, I think that they did have that bit more freedom to do
2: yeah, it. it's a more it's a cohesive film. The two thousand nine Star Trek, you know, it yeah. it starts off with can Captain Kirk become a captain, and ends with oh, he is captain. Yeah, and yeah. that's the pro- the problem with all these other movies. Yeah. is that they fail in that kind of core actually keeping a cohesive story together. And similarly with Force Awakens, is that mm. it doesn't really have a cohesive story. Well, I um, think
0: one the, the biggest strength, though, I think again is you see the JJ is a very. Um, practical guy as well so you know I was surprised about how much practical effects were in the 2009 and 2013 films um, which again does then make sense why he did that in Star Wars so the fact that like a lot of the sets and the ships You know, and like you said, with the Enterprise looks amazing because it is a physical set and, like, they have all those corridors. And one thing I always loved about it is the fact that they use real um, factories and stuff for the engineering rooms and stuff like that. Yeah, that's confusing.
2: (laughs) It's weird. I I like it. Because they show, like, they fly the shuttles into the back end of the Enterprise. So you kind of get a sense of scale of how big it is. And then there's suddenly, like, factory... Yeah.
1: Somewhere else. You have yeah. a weird confusing. Sort of dichotomy between Apple store and brewery. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it it was a Budweiser at the front and brewery at yeah. the back. It yeah. was a Budweiser
0: factory. So yeah. Um but like it, it, yeah. It's weird. But but I yeah, I just liked it. I just thought it was again, it gives you a sense of realism. Um it just made you feel like it was an actual working ship rather than having the whole like sort of like, Oh, here's some touch screens that I'm just pressing away at kind of thing. So, you know, I, I enjoyed that and I think it comes across quite well as in the opening which again a lot of people have said is the best part of the film is uh you've got that sort of uh, Kel- Kelvin I think yeah. was, you know, USS Kelvin they sort of purposely go well this is Twenty thirty years before, uh, you know, when he's born. So they purposely then made it an old style ship compared to what you'd see with the yeah. Enterprise later. And it was really nice that they had really striking differences in the design. That was a very dark, old looking ship. And mm. then the Enterprise is very brand new, spank, you know, like sort of shiny Apple sort still. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: Can we also agree that the villain Nero is weird and annoying? Yeah. It's <laughs> like weird American action. He's like, why are you going over here? I'm a <laughs> and, 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 what I don't, I don't understand anything really about him. We never really see him enough to get annoyed about him. No. But he's weird when he's there. Yeah, yeah, And then he just sort of drifts off at the end.
1: Yeah. There was like a tie-in comic book that somebody got me for my birthday uh, just before this movie came out. And I feel that it made the movie better for me because it kind of explained a bit of Nero's backstory. And I think that is one of my always complaints about J.J. Abrahams is his villains are not that great. No. Yeah. Like his yeah. teams are good. Yeah. His, his, his gang is good. He makes a good gang. But yeah, his villains are also a little bit sort of lackluster.
0: Yeah, I'd agree. And like Nero does have that kind of. Captain Phasma comparison yeah. of like you know build him up and then it doesn't actually make <laughs> yeah. too much kind of Why thing yeah. I <laughs> yeah
2: and he has no like real I mean Spock doesn't like him because he's destroyed Spock's home world yeah. but for everyone else there's not that much sense of like him really challenging them on a put per- like Khan is so good because yeah. he sort of challenges Kirk's Actual psyche, sort of thing in The Wrath of Khan. Yeah. Um. You know, great villains like challenge the heart of a character. Yeah. And Nero and none of the villains really in, in yeah. most, and even in most of your superhero movies. He's also, yeah. He's also just, just
3: incredibly forgettable. I mean, yeah. I, I, granted, I haven't seen the film in a while, but there are like lots of elements of the film that I remember. Yeah. Just about him, very, very little apart yeah. from just the opening. He doesn't do anything, and yeah, you, and you're absolutely um,
1: right. And I've not even thought about him today <laughs> until you just mentioned him, like he had not come into my head once. And in my he's... head, like lots of colors and explosions of the villain in yeah. that film. Yeah,
3: <laughs> see, my yeah. thing is, like, I thought he was white from memory, <laughs> and you, I mean, and uh, he, Eric, he is? Eric, is
0: he? Yeah. Eric Banner hasn't really had much work since either, so sure, yeah, yeah, so it goes to show, but he's just also. got
2: like weird makeup on and a weird voice, yeah. yeah. So when he yeah. is there, he's unset. set, he's just like. Uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, well, they, it's like a weird guy in a pub with you and you don't really want to talk with them.
0: They did amazing work on the, the makeup and they had like an Oscar for like the Spock ears and stuff, but his was the one that I found quite jarring because you could see that. Eric Banner isn't bald and they've put some sort of like catwalk <laughs> in kind of thing, yeah. especially in certain lights um, but I, I thought it worked for the, again, the story because again you will get in those sort of origin stories where they're like we can't focus too much on the villain because we need to tell the story of the crew so I felt it worked as a kind of like introductory villain to again give us what we want which is the team um, and I think again like you said he's good at um, having you know it's good, good at teams of team characters the yeah. and that's why I really again think carries throughout the entire three films that they've had now in the new star trek but definitely in the first one that's why i love most about it and when we first saw it that's what my dad pinpointed is the fact that he was grew up watching the original series and he was like fair play to all those actors they you know so yeah. like he felt that they really nailed the the original characters and that they really embodied those,
1: those uh, the, yeah those they're probably the best thing about it that chris pine Captain Kirk is probably going to be the most difficult one to play because he is more of a human than everybody else. Like, Bones has got very much a thing about him. Uh, Captain Kirk has to be you in the story. So just to kind of get that... Uh, and obviously, you know, I'm, I'm not a massive Shatner fan. I'm going to be honest with you. I find him to be weird. <laughs> yeah. But He did give, give a great role, uh, especially in the original series. It was a fantastic role. Um, and then obviously, Carl Urban was absolutely outstanding in that yeah, film. Like yeah. He hit the nail on the head. And Zachary Quinto as well it was absolutely brilliant. Zoe it. They were all yeah. spot on. Yeah. yeah. And that's the, the great thing. Spot yeah. on. Except for one. Oh, Peg. Yeah. Oh, okay.
0: That's fine. As long as it wasn't like Al- Anton Yelchin or something. No, like no. that's <laughs> no, great. He's he was great.
1: amazing. I thought, yeah, Ashton Peg was such an odd choice. Yeah. Um, it, it was like like somehow he had some power and he exercised the power to get that role. And they were like, there's one role left and it's Scotty. And he's like, oh, my wife is Scottish. Like, yeah. <laughs> great, I guess. But he he's not like the character at all. Like he brings his... I just... it's It's not... I think it's just Simon Pegg is very limited in what he can play. Yeah. He has got a type and he played that type and it was basically Tim Bisley from space pretending to be Scotty, how he remembers it. Yeah. And it's not awful. It fits into the film. It's just everybody else has made such a good effort to create a beloved character. And I don't think that that Simon Pegg quite hit his
0: marks. And to me, it also seemed weird that everyone else was quite young and he then was quite old in comparison. So I was like, why would you have the origin of this new young team? It is weird, He doesn't seem like he would be part of the team. He seems like their dad or something. Well, exactly.
1: And I think if you look at the original series, um, DeForest Kelly was the oldest crew member. So that's Carl Urban's character, Dr. McCoy. And then Scotty is yeah like maybe a bit older than Captain Kirk. He's, yeah. he's an older character, but he's yeah. I suppose he has yeah. yeah. Always been older, but
0: yeah, he he did he did stand out to me. But yeah, I think um, I think Anton Yelchin I really loved in the first film having that moment of like you know like I can do that I can do that when he's yeah. like rushing around and he's trying to like um sort of like fix things. Um, the I can't remember his name now, but from uh, Harold and Kumar the guy oh, who um, plays or- him. yeah yeah. So he, he's. He's great. I think they had a bit of like concern with him because he's actually like of Korean descent. So yeah.
1: They're like, oh, is this going to be? But the no, great It's interesting though because I think the Sulu was never meant to be a Japanese character or Japanese American character as such. That mm-hmm. um, Sulu was given a very neutral. Like he's named after the Sulu Sea. Yeah. yeah. So they, it was meant to represent an, an Asian character. Which yeah. at The time and, was. And that's quite what, revolutionary in, in TV. Yeah. QV. I think that's what George Takai said when JJ
0: I think rang <clears> him to sort of get his approval. He said, "Well, this character was meant to sort of represent Asian characters, not yeah. specific." So you know he he was fine with it and that's all like put it in but but yeah definitely I think Carl Urban is you know is really great and and like I said even you know I enjoy Chris Pine in most of his roles and and yeah like I said it he he also specifically says that he didn't want to go down the Shatner route yeah, doing yeah. the Shatner type dialogue which would be very corny
3: yeah um, I, I think that. That would have been a drastic mistake yeah it would be so well, weird
2: and the dialogue isn't that kind of dialogue either it's not the sort of slightly more longer-winded tv dialogue that yeah. shatner was able to like go fully weird on yeah so you wouldn't be able to do it in no and, and he sells a lot of dialogue.
0: the humor so like where you get that yeah. like you know moment where like his hands of like you know he's like what's this and he's just <laughs> yeah. like good god man and so yeah. i think that he sells a lot of the humor in the films.
1: This could just be the beginning. Beginning of what? All-out war. I request permission to go after him. I cannot allow you to do this. Jim, you're not
2: actually going after this guy, are you?
1: Let's go get this son of a bitch.
2: You are a poem,
4: Kirk.
3: Sir, there's a ship heading right for us
4: can't even
1: guarantee the safety of your own crew
3: realistically Into Darkness just becomes less of a team focused film they basically focus so much around the dynamic between like Kirk and Spock and then eventually uh, Khan the, a lot of the other characters just, just have very little to do in like actual interaction yeah. apart from just I'm going to run into this situation and do like the technical thing
2: but that's going to be the nature of a lot of the in the Star Trek movies as there are a lot of them the crew don't do a lot they just Mm. sort of follow along you know because yeah. when you're doing a movie you need to focus on two or three characters and so yeah. having the giant crew of people have all got to do something and be involved yeah. is so really was, difficult to accommodate
1: it, I, I really enjoyed the about the movies like you're waiting for so and so's moment like you're waiting for Scotty to hit his head against the bulkhead or yeah. for like a rando car- background character to appear on a star base at the beginning like waving them off um, I loved all that stuff about it are we, I mean are we are to Into Darkness yes, no. yeah. we, are in, we are Into <laughs> are <darkness, laughs> Into yeah. Darkness I think the the main problem that we we got from that is that there was no depth in this villain at mm-hmm. all whatsoever. And there's two small Star Trek anecdotes coming out here. They're very small, I promise. Right. <laughs> the fine. first one is um uh it's fine. I, I was Khan talking
0: about Just Eat earlier, so like, you <laughs> know, you've got a tangent. So the Wrath
1: on. of Khan strongly implies that there's something for Khan to have been wrathful about in the past. And there was. There was a whole episode called Space Seed where Mm. Khan was introduced. He was a genetically engineered uh, monster character from the 1990s um, who conquered most of Asia and was sent into... Boy, he snuck off into space, didn't he? Which is the one thing Earth didn't want to happen uh, with with his followers. (laughs) Um, And that story was still there. Mm. Um, And that was a great story from one of the TV episodes... And they could have. There was a lot of room for expansion there, mm. but they didn't. They went for the second part. They they went for the easy cheese. Mm. They didn't go for the you know what could have been an absolutely incredible film, mm. and then set up a future Wrath of Khan. Yeah, um, which they could have called the Wrath of Khan. Yeah, yeah. like Khan Two, the Khan takes Manhattan, whatever. <laughs> it just seems like it was wasted. And the second anecdote uh, and I, I wanted to, to relate was the original series of Star Trek had an episode where. Um, something or other makes them all randy, and they're all kind of like running around the ship, you know, making out with each other, and th- all kinds of bad things are happening. They're in fights, uh, and then they started the next generation, mm. and they decided we'll bring that 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 plot device back for the next generation, yeah. which is a great idea. And you set a new set of crew, yeah. you're gonna have them all, you know, bonking each other around the <laughs> ship. Except they did it as the second episode yeah. of the of the next generation, so you didn't know anybody. Yeah, you didn't like. Is Geordie LaForge like uh, a weird rando, like <laughs> horny character, or like is is Captain Picard going to be like talking about his penis a lot? I, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. um, and uh, this is exactly what's happened with Into Darkness. They've mm. they've basically put something with a lot of weight into it, into a new franchise that's supposed to be a complete cut off from what they did before. Yeah. And it loses. It loses its tail. It loses everything that that come before it because Mm. nobody knows. We're supposed to act, even as an Star Trek experienced audience, like this is new. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they try to hide it as well. And we Mm. were like, we're not fooling us. We know what's going on. Yeah. And they also, another thing, just one more thing. I promise this is my last part of this. No, that's fine. Khan Noonien Singh Mm. is meant to be, uh, I guess, an Indian character maybe or someone from the Asian, uh, from the Indian subcontinent. Yeah. He was originally played by Ricardo Montalban in the TV show and subsequent movie. Who was an Hispanic actor, yeah. which was a thing that happened all the time. Yeah. Uh, at least, and at
2: least he's not just a white American. Just guy the white man, a white man, yeah, a yeah, white British yeah. guy. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they they had a wealth of great. Mm. modern Asian actors they could have picked yeah. to yeah. play this character they did not yeah
0: and, and that's like I love Ben to come back in most stuff like he's yeah, really yeah. good he plays a great villain and fantastic I can't say he plays a great Khan because you know he doesn't play Khan he, he <laughs> no. plays a great villain he has a great voice he has a great intimidating you know I thought he was really good in the film but just not as Khan because like yeah. again yeah. and I think actually when I watched behind the scenes J.J. Abrams or sort of justification of it was a bit limp because he was like well you know we knew that we could potentially get in trouble again similar with changing the race of the character but he was like once we saw his performance we were like no this you know like once you see it you have to you know you have to go with him I was like well no just change the character if it's that yeah. good Yeah. Um, and, and his
2: performance isn't even that good you know he had yeah. these really long monologues that he just sort of eats all the furniture on <laughs> yeah. and it's well, it's completely different to how Khan is as a character. Khan is this charismatic, yeah. you know, he kind of enjoys, he's this lavish and extravagant villain. Whereas he's, Benedict Cumberbatch is just this sort of grumpy,
1: He's teenager. evil Spock, basically. Yeah. 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 As much as,
3: sorry. Sorry, you know, I'm done. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. no, as much as I do love some of his dialogue choices, because David and I are, are great fans of just incredibly harsh dialogue. And I think <laughs> yeah. we did respect the I will walk over your cold, dead corpses to get to. <laughs> as much as I did enjoy that, it. For Bennett, for what I've seen from Cumberbatch in the past, it just feels like he does do great villain roles, but he also has like a series of roles which is just insert generic sort of performance. Yeah. And it yeah. felt like one of those. Yeah. It British especially villain. Especially well. considering as well, it's and like this is my major gripe with the film is that it's a bit confusing as to exactly what the major thing we should be hating in this situation is which leads up Mm. to the obviously the mimicking of the the Khan scream yeah Yeah. because obviously in in The Wrath of Khan it's very clear that obviously he's orchestrating all of this so then the actual personal vendetta (laughs) of the call makes sense in this film Let's not forget that the Admiral has also done a lot of evil. I was yeah. things. going to
1: say, Admiral Robocop and his sexy daughter. Like, that <laughs> yeah. was a, such a stupid, mm. pointless thing. It's but like, it
3: literally yeah. confuses the film as well, because in some situations, Khan is fighting directly against them, but also doing his own evil thing. Yeah. So when it gets to the end, and spoiler for anyone who does want to watch this, know, <laughs> no you- one will want to watch it <laughs> once you finish talking. <laughs> yep. And you get to the point that like, Kirk dies, and, and then Spock has his, like, Khan scream. It's unwarranted because, like, one, there's just not that much personal, like, action from Khan against him in most situations. Because, two... The Admiral also is the one responsible for this yeah. entire situation. The yeah.
1: yeah. well, the the um the, the whole thing about Caroline Marcus and Admiral Marcus is, is one of my biggest bugbears. There's the, they're that and the fact that they can see Kronos being attacked or something from, like, wherever they are. What really gets on my nerves J.J. Abrams is that wherever you are in space, you can see what's going on
2: yeah. <laughs> nearby. People keep bumping into each other. In the yeah. first one... Captain Kirk's on some miscellaneous planet yeah. and bumps
1: into Spock, yeah. and he's like, "Oh, small world!" Like, yeah. like, look, Vulcan's getting destroyed in the sky. I think small
0: universe.
2: One thing you should never be saying in a in the infinite universe is oh, small world. Yeah. Like that makes everything feel so much more like contained and rubbish unless, and disappointing. Think,
1: unless the planet is literally a small world. Yeah, like a little, like, you know, fifty miles around or something. Yeah, then you well, can take small world. I,
2: I I guess they
0: do justify in the sense that like Spock was put there because there was a planet in which he could see his planet dying from, and that would be the closest to where they were from. That so on an will... entire
2: planet, and yeah. they're just oh, having yeah. around the corner from yeah. from Scotty as yeah. well.
0: And like... just after he's been attacked by a monster, he's like, "Oh, we'll just walk to this Star Trek base." He's like, "But you just got attacked by a monster when you were out in the out in the wilderness. Yeah. Are you sure you want to walk out there again to like go yeah. find a Star Trek base?" To me. I, you know, originally I really enjoyed the like um, the admiral stuff. I felt that the fact that you did get that twist was like quite refreshing. You were like, oh, okay, like so you yeah. go in with like Khan isn't actually the big villain, and and when he starts to help them and stuff. But then he's bad. arbitrary. Yes. He is. Yeah, so yeah the it's arbitrary
2: by the end. And yeah.
0: So I felt when I first saw it, I thought it was a really like thrilling, really intense sort of film because I was like, oh my god, when's this going to end? And like it just comes to a halt at the end, which is kind of a good and bad thing so then on reflection on second watch you're a bit like questionable about why certain things happen but and again I sort of like enjoyed the Admiral and like his daughter stuff but again watching it for a second time it was like well, she is only there to serve the
1: purpose of that role. She she's doesn't a, actually have a have any really, moments. really bad role for her. Yeah, and is the she, fact that we're calling this the admiral and his daughter, which is yeah. going to be my new erotic novel that I'm releasing <laughs> uh, in January. Like, Carolyn Marcus is a scientist, is a, a brilliant sort of starfleet officer, um, and she's reduced to like wearing a bra in yeah, yeah. this film, and you know, it's just a. It's very lame. Yeah. It's a very lame fan service. And, and we should be beyond... We should have been beyond that in 2013 by a long Well, should
0: we have. had Star Trek Beyond, so maybe... <laughs>
1: yeah. <Next.
0: laughs> da, 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 da. When you said... Um when you said earlier about the Randy episode of Star Trek, it reminded me of um, when Anton Yelchin is talking about uh, Chekhov. He was like, "Oh, Chekhov's a really interesting character because a lot of the times in the series they're like on some mission and like he's just trying to get with his girlfriend and stuff." Like it showed like a clip from the original series where he's like trying to get on his girlfriend when they're on this alien planet. Yeah, it just reminded me of that. How funny that is. Yeah, I I agree. I think with the character moments, you know, they they do sort of lose a lot. I think what Star Trek Into Darkness does have is. And the the first film probably showcases this more so, but you can tell that the second one was more like, look what we can do mm. in terms of technical stuff. So it was shot on IMAX. There's a lot of big scenery and stuff. They have that scene at the beginning, which again... Completely like on IMAX is like look at this big red planet we have like you know with all the natives and the volcano and I like love the space
1: scenes yeah, yeah it, it was like going
0: back bit. to this all like adventuring in space kind yeah, of
1: yeah that was that was nice it was nice to see them actually do their job yeah as opposed to yeah what theoretically is not their job
0: no exactly but it was nice it was that kind of like hero point of view of like oh well we want to help them you know, yeah and that kind of thing, well, even though we don't uh, the
2: to. classic Star Trek debate of the. Prime directive as well, but done yeah. in a movie style. Like yeah. it's a fun, runny roundy, adventurous way, yeah. but it's got this kind of core question of like, should you interfere and stuff. Yeah. And so that's what these movies could potentially do, achieve. You know, they could get these questions and tell them in a swashbucklery way. Yeah. But then the movie, the rest of the movie has zero to yeah, do. Yeah. So they set up this whole idea and then they just have another thing and then everything is just yeah. a jumble and mess. I, I
0: did like as well how they saw, like, focused a bit more on Earth. So I liked how, she liked
1: if leaf, it to see, like, the futuristic Earth it's as well. Like I, I want you, them to go into space. Yeah. I don't want them to yeah. go back to Earth. It's exactly <laughs> what I was going to say. I, this is why I think that um, uh, Beyond, it, it, I mm. much prefer it to the other two. Right, um, right, like, yeah. I, like I said, I, love the, I loved Star Trek 2009 uh, more than I love The Force Awakens, which I think mm. is the same movie as a rehash. Yeah. But um, I thought Star Trek Beyond was the first one where they were like, right, um like they're doing their job they've gone mm. to a, a, a place in space and we're assuming every day we're assuming that their general day-to-day is we're going to a new place we're going to a mm. new place we're doing a bit of like research yeah. we're doing spreadsheets and that <laughs> and then we're going to go to the next place but they go to this place and we only ever see it when it's mm. dangerous yeah and that's that's exactly what they did and it, you know there were silly elements to it yeah. Yeah. you know things which weren't necessarily brilliant but i i enjoyed it for being what it was supposed to have
0: been yeah exactly i think they they achieved that and again having like um what's her name the she saw in kingsman and everything uh, yeah the mummy she saw like having that alien character again brought in that angle of like oh let's meet this new species and i think the only thing that took me out of it was the fact that they had to have like a motorbike sequence i was like why would you have motorbikes in space (laughs) yeah (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
1: and
2: And that one i doesn't nothing really holds together Thematically, either really. Yeah. Like, it opens with Kirk saying, I'm bored of being in space now, which is, first of all, annoying. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyone would give the right arm to be in space. And he's yeah. like, our oh, bloody space is rubbish. And he also has, like, and then, yes, uh, the plot's got nothing to do with that. Yeah. So it's just, it's just yeah. the whole time you weren't thinking, like, why is Kirk bored, watch the plot there's no char- yeah. there's no actual character stuff happening when i so saw the it, movie's
0: boring when i saw it in the cinema originally i walked um, it was mm-hmm. one of those where i was like late into walking into it and i missed like the first 5 minutes but then realized on rewatching it oh i didn't actually <laughs> need to see that yeah. because yeah, it was like yeah. just this goofy thing with those little cartoon like miniature animals yeah. and i was like this is really silly And the only thing that came from that is that he had the object that then he uses later in the film. I was like, that's really on the nose to be like, oh, I've Mm. coincidentally got this object that's from the beginning of the film. small world. Yeah, small world.
3: So literally playing a Chekhov's gun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, you know,
0: what... We call them Pavel's phases. (laughs) To finish off what we were saying about Into Darkness, like, uh, or just the two films in general, you know, what do you think kind of of that technical aspect because that's again a lot of people would make give fun before he did Force Awakens like oh all the lightsaber fights going to be lens flayed and yeah. you know all that kind of stuff and
1: yeah people talk um, about lens flare I mean like that's the least of our problems I quite like yeah. lens flare to be honest yeah <laughs>
2: yeah it looks fine I, mean, yeah. I think the first one looks a bit better I found really well yeah. every time there was any sort of in space shot and
3: you saw yeah. the Enterprise I went whoa the Enterprise is awesome yeah um, some and, of the some yeah. of the camera work wound me up because they um yeah, there's a a literal technique that it's not it's not exclusive to Abrams. Uh, mm-hmm. Lots of uh, directors use it, and frankly, they shouldn't. Um, which is just the idea of just like oh, it's a long way shot. Not anymore. And just when they t- uh, just zoom in. instant zoom in, and mm-hmm. there's always yeah. something which is CGI'd, and it always takes me out right. of it. It's just the case of like oh, I'm looking at you, looking at you. Now you're yeah. yeah. <laughs> they yeah. this this isn't that kind of shot, but I do it
0: does remind me, though, of something that they do well is the the fact that when you see the uh, Enterprise for the first time you can't see it in full frame and everything like that. Yeah. So I do appreciate when they do stuff like that to give it this grandeur. Yeah, no, that's yeah. perfectly fine. And I think uh, something that sort of adds real, you know, uh, sort of appreciation to how well they did it is that one of the CGI artists I saw wrote down um, he says, you know, good CGI is to scale. He says if it isn't, it just isn't believable. So mm. the Enterprise is built in a computer to the scale of what the Enterprise would be like. So it's not just like they've made like a miniature 3D model because then it would look
1: like a miniature. That's yeah. interesting because yeah. the scale is crazy in that film. Yeah. There's, there's, there's some weird scaling issues in the first film because I think they changed the size. Like there's a whole bit where they've obviously they've made the Enterprise much bigger than it was. Yeah. And then they... they blow a hole in it like they always do. Mm. And then you can clearly see that it's just supposed to be a lot smaller than it is. Mm. And then obviously there's the brewery problem as well. Yeah. And then so
2: You see through the window as well. They like have shots where you see them on the bridge through yeah. the window and they look like huge compared to the ship. And yeah. then it goes in and they seem to be tiny compared yeah, to it. That's, that's there is a few things like that. But
0: mm-hmm. yeah, I, I at least appreciated that they said like they didn't make things in straight lines. They did it so that the panels were kind of like oh. human made and that they were so like not because nothing can be made humanly like you know in a perfect straight line so they mm. did things like that to like make it look more believable but um i, I thought you were going to mention about shaky cam actually because that's something that abrams does yeah. quite a lot and i i noticed it quite a lot in uh into darkness because i watched the behind the scenes and you literally see uh scenes of like him shooting and he's just there with the cameraman's there and abrams is just there like going up Shaking like you just literally yeah. like they're shaking the camera like when it's just perfectly still on something, <laughs> and they were like, "Oh, you know, JJ's really good at this all like shaky cam stuff," and <laughs> well, a lot man. of people had problems with it with uh, like something like Hunger Games, where like I can't yeah. see what's going on, and mm. and I'm the kind of person where like like the lens flare, oh that's really cool, that's something new, it adds yeah. to the sort of sci-fi element. Shaky cam, I I don't mind too much again, because sometimes if I find I can't see what's going on, it might add to the tension of, like, yeah. oh, what's happening? Yeah, for sure. Cloverfield effect, you know? The, yeah. that, I think that's where it was best employed, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, there are moments where, like, where I did notice it then after, though, was Into Darkness when him and Admiral Pike are, like, speaking to each other, and he's like, they've taken the Enterprise off you. And it's literally, like, and I'm like, did you really need to shake this up? Like, you know, this is a conversation between two people. Like, why are you shaking this? Because
2: half the time when they do that sort of like shaky like that fast editing it's when like they're doing just punchy fights yeah. and in those moments there's nothing to see any of the way because all those punchy punchy bits yeah. nothing's really happening there's no. no characters doing anything there's nothing to find out what's going to go on you know they're just going to punch each other Yeah, and so you don't they're the bits I was just looking at my phone you know so I didn't notice all those wobbly bits because yeah. they're the boring ones <laughs> yeah.
3: I do really want to talk about this isn't anything to do with the technical elements but there is one aspect of Into Darkness I really did like um and it's an incredibly small aspect but it's just something that frankly if J.J. Abrams ever wants to make this this film um, of the of the five minutes of film that I actually did like really like from Into Darkness and Go For It it's basically the intro stuff with like the uh, with, with Noel the yeah with Noel's Clark's character and like the you know the the, the ill child yeah. and just being the motivation oh, yeah. I thought that was like really beautifully done in a way because I think like with most of it you, all you hear are the music and like
0: well that's where it does so, link into the technical so i did bring it up to so like because i knew
1: that was a good example because yeah. like, again the way he shoots it and everything is, is really well done it's interesting actually because um and it, this is a sign of the times and, and the important thing about star trek is that it is always uh reacting to the time that it's made yeah like you've got the 80s star trek it's like the end of the cold war you got the mm. vietnam war and the original uh but obviously we're looking at sort of post 9-11 Star Trek. Yeah. And we see it in both of them because the mm. idea that nowhere safe and you yeah. know, anywhere could be attacked. Um, but yeah, it's strange because it kind of, again, it's one of those things where it's taken away from sort of 90s idea of Star Trek that this is a utopian civilization mm. and the people in it are more robust there, therefore that they, they've they obviously had therapy growing up they've mm. had better schooling they're, they're probably stronger than us they're probably faster than us yeah. because they've grown up in this utopian society but uh, one of the things that has changed was Star Trek 2009 and again on the timeline of things it's set in the past from those 1990 Star Trek, to make everything yeah. a bit complicated, is that it has chipped away at that veneer of a, of a utopia. Yeah. It is always at risk, and it could mm. fall from within, mm. uh, which Admiral Robocop is the whole... Yeah, it, uh, it is an interesting aspect
0: to him, be like, you know, we're on the brink of war, and, you know, yeah. the on to come in, and it's taking that sort of, like... Peaceful uh, venturing into the galaxy to find new worlds to then, oh, we're going to become a, a, a military force. So to them, have be like, no, you can't do that. Is is a nice element, but again, maybe it would have been nice to be explored a bit more. Yeah,
2: yeah. Well, I wonder if that into into darkness, there is a real political element to it. Yeah, and I wonder if that's where some interference came in, and they sort of because mm. the end of the movie. Captain Kirk has a wrap-up speech sort of thing when he's like, turns yeah. out the moral was that no matter who's attacking you, don't give in to fighting back. Yeah. You know, be better than them, because if you, you know, you'll get into dark places if you try to go all army. And then but, freeze the guy who caused all this because it might happen again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but like, and that's kind of the action. That The big action of it is when they send them off to, you know, to Klingon to blow up, um, to blow up Khan. Mm. And they send him to cross the, illegally cross the border mm. and they give him those torpedoes that are unmanned drones to blow him up without yeah. a trial and do it.
3: Technically, they are manned. Well,
2: they've got men in them, yeah. yeah. but um, That was, was stupid uh, plot. Was that, that's what <laughs> they, <laughs> they
0: were saying, though, that their justification in the storyline is like, oh, well, fans will love this because they'll be like, oh, I know what the 70 to- torpedo, 72 torpedoes mean and stuff like that. And it's like, that didn't work. It's confusing. It, it no. um, yeah.
2: But yeah, it's a kind of... That stuff is a direct criticism of kind of the US policy. You know, they mm. send unmanned drones and stuff and the characters of Star Trek are like, no, this is the wrong thing to do. Um, but actually in the movie, they never actually say that sending unmanned drones and killing Khan without a trial is wrong. Like yeah. the reason they don't kill him is because they need his blood to save Captain Kirk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so if that, crazy. yeah, if that moment <laughs> at the end had been when Spock is punchy, punchy, punchy and Uhura had said, don't kill him because then you'll be a murderer. Yeah. Like that would be compelling part of plot sort of thing. Yeah. Because yeah. that would be Spock having to make a decision about who he is. And the whole movie really is him having to decide who he is between as human or, you know, all that mm. sort of stuff. But instead it's just don't kill him because we, you know, we need him yeah. to. And so that whole moral element to, you know, that idea of how to go to war is the US army right and how it does wars and stuff. They actually completely cut it up the movie. Yeah, Um,
0: It's also kind of like the Admiral says at one point, he says, like, you know, you'll need me. Like, if you get, you know, kill me, then, you know, like, you won't win this war. But it's like, well, either give him that role or, like, give it to Khan because Khan has that kind of happening as well. They're like, oh, well, he's a super soldier and we need to use Khan to get back at the Admiral. And like Craig says, then you saw, like, flip flop in between which one (laughs) is the villain. And then for the end of the film to be like, oh, can we trust him? To then be like, oh no, we need to immediately kill him and then like said, mm-hmm. immediately bring him back just to use his blood. It'd be like No, you want to have this moral dilemma of whether you should kill him because is he actually useful as an ally? It's well, not about thought-
2: usefulness, it's about whether it's right or right. Like, the, yeah. point, the point of federation oh, is that yeah. they don't have an army. Yeah,
0: yeah exactly. So that
2: way, if they were to like bring him but, back to be a yeah. soldier, that would no, break But Runs that's what I mean. If idea. they yeah.
0: had more of that political yeah. element of there was a faction who were like, No, we believe we yeah. should go to war Yeah, they, yeah. they want
2: Having him. a decision to make. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> they never have to make any decisions because everything is just Thrown at them yeah
0: well what what did you what was your major things you wanted to say about The Force Awakens is it because of Abrams you think Uh,
1: yeah and this is 100% Abrams thing is that he is uh, he's too cautious about these things I think that um, you know we saw like the difference between Rogue One and uh, The Force Awakens like Rogue One can be quite divisive a film yeah but it one thing it did have I mean I I absolutely love it it's one of my favourite Star Wars films Mm. it put so much trust into you as a fan yeah and if you look at an '80s film like Willow mm. or yeah. Labyrinth, mm. there's, no, there's not any need to set these things up from the beginning. They drop you into the universe mm. yeah. and off you go, and mm. you understand that the man with the horns is he's got horns for a reason. Like yeah, it's, yeah. you don't need it all kind of like backpedalled. Mm. And I think with The Force Awakens, there's a lot. There wasn't any trust. They were yeah. after new fans, mm. which is fine, but they could have done a completely brand new star wars movie mm-hmm. but like no he he wants to kind of it, maybe he was like trying to bridge the gap between the two you know yeah. not not get old fans going hey everybody look these are x-wings you've all seen these before yeah look this is the death star but bigger that he is literally just gone i want the fan the, the new fans to feel like what i didn't have all these things yeah. in the past and i don't think it works like it's a fun action movie it's a it's a, it's a better film than star trek 2009 yeah um, I if, to pick of the two, if I had to push one into the sea and save one, I would save the Force Awakens. But there's the set pieces are outstanding, and he's really good at that. Yeah. Um, one thing he can't do, and it's the one thing that George Lucas really can do. Yeah, is he, George Lucas can sit down and create a brand new world for every film, a brand new yeah. universe and it works, and you can lift it out of its place and put it back, and you know exactly where it fits into its timeline, mm. and like, it's an incredible... It's a difficult skill, admittedly. Mm. Um, but, you know, Abrams is more of a sort of a hands-on, down-on-the-ground sort of you know, director, explosions, yeah. team-building, the good stuff, but yeah. Uh, yeah,
0: I agree, like, as well. As a Star Wars fan, you have to appreciate that idea of, again, and for <laughs> people who grew up with the prequels as well, is, you know, as much as... Trash can be thrown at those films. A lot of the designs from those films are still, like, you know, prevalent today because when you see Lucas working on those films, you know, it's uh, like one. I admire the craft of like Force Awakens and Last Jedi in that they're like we just give the puppeteers and everyone free reign to make whatever aliens they wanted and you got all these different characters in the background and I'm like that's great because there's loads of sci-fi films that don't do that they just Mm. have CGI in the background but George Lucas would go amongst the designs made by people and be like that one, that one, that one don't like that, that's not Star Wars, don't like that and that's where I have a bit of a problem with Force Awakens is that I look at some of them and go that looks cool but is it Star Wars and I think that's yeah, Where the problem you said about I'm, is that you're like
1: oh remember X-Wings remember tie Fighters yeah Fided? a short point on, on that as well is there's yeah. a, a hell of a lot of new aliens in it yeah and Star Wars is great because you can just there are certain aliens that are very mm. sort of predominant in the background of things and yeah. it's nice to see them yeah and it's just like there's a whole bunch of new aliens we're going to be really yeah. excited about that's fine nobody is going to go I don't mm. understand what that alien is yeah. Yeah. to a new fan it's just an alien to us it's just like ooh it's a Twi'lek or yeah. it's a Calamari or whatever that's cool yeah exactly that's That's why I miss, is that you sort of,
0: like, it's like Game of Thrones, something. It's like it's a part of the world. You Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, like from there. So, yes, we will go on to the movie vault. So uh, this is just based on our conversation. If we believe that anything should be put into the movie vault, which is the vault owned by the film god, uh, which we so have these discussions for, to help him with his collection of uh movies that he keeps in his vault so based on what we've talked of
1: today do you feel that there's anything that is sort of worthy of
0: of the movie vault
1: so it has to be a good one we have to put something good in the thing and what are our choices well
0: you know like i said it could be anything that we've discussed today it can be like star trek Maybe not Star Wars, because that would be going down a different rabbit hole, but unless it is J.J. J. Abrams. So it'd be either J.J. J. Abrams, Star Trek, Star Wars, or whether you feel there's any other Star Treks. Maybe like Khan because it
1: influenced so much. of Star like,
2: Trek The Undiscovered Country. It's the best yeah, of the Star Trek movies. It is
1: absolutely the best. Yeah. Uh, Khan <laughs> is the like the space battle film, mm. and, and, but Undiscovered Country is the, the, the purest Star Trekking that happens yeah. in in the, in the films yeah. Yeah,
2: it's an entire movie dedicated to like maintaining peace as well, which is yeah. the
1: most Roddenberry thing in a really fun way. Yeah, and there's an ice prison and yeah, all kinds of stuff going on like a cloaking device. A I feel like general. that's the least talked about one, surely, isn't it? Because I
0: can't. Yeah, I have no title. idea. what yeah, this it, remember it, the title. I remember the Journey Home. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a cracker. Good. I absolutely <laughs> love Wales, that. That's the whales, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. One. So I, I again, I no knowledge of the Star Trek series. Watched that randomly on TV <laughs> one day and was just like. Why is Chekhov, like, wandering around this
1: harbour? Or, the or worst <laughs> person to be in a nuclear facility yeah. with a Russian accent in the 80s. Yeah. Um, yeah, go home. Your homework tonight is to go and watch The Undiscovered Country over okay, yeah. this weekend. Okay. And if you don't, we'll come for you. Okay. I,
3: yeah, I just want to check with you guys because there was... Uh, a lot of people have this uh, weird sort of like char- uh, characterization of with the Star Trek films if it's an odd number film it's bad if it's an even number film it's good
2: it's a thing I don't agree with it okay.
3: has it sort of switched now
1: because wasn't Star Trek 2009 an odd Star Trek film and that was actually better and then than the one before and then the next one was trash and then the one after that I quite enjoyed Well, but it, it, yeah no it a, is odd as a roughly as a rough rule of a thumb um, in the, for the original films, I think it Yeah, was. this is more for the
3: originals, I think. Yeah,
2: I
1: mean... Because it means
2: saying that Search for Spock is bad. But I quite like Search for Spock. I think that's a good film.
1: Yeah. Um, and do you know what? what I'm kind a, a big fan of The Final Frontier, which is like <laughs> one of the, the biggest pieces of trash. Yeah, it's the it most fans. shambolic. But I think
2: it's
0: great. I think it's a really yeah. good well, what, film. And, what about the original? That's just supposed to be a real slow bird. Isn't it's, it?
1: uh, the thing with the 80s Star Trek movies is that they're all very different. Um, it, it's not like they're carrying a franchise and carrying on the themes of the franchise. Mm. The first one was basically a 2001 Rip off. okay, yeah. Um, yeah it's very strange. From
0: the imagery, yeah, I can see yeah. it has so many it's a lot,
3: yeah. It's kind
2: of impressive yeah. more than anything. It's like yeah. a really, really big tree. <laughs> you wouldn't, like, necessarily want to sit and watch it for two hours, but you can <laughs> be like, oh, yeah, that's definitely a big tree. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. and then you've got this sort of your, your hornblower, which is the, the Wrath of Khan, you know, your sort of naval battle one, and, and then, yeah, you've got your weird sitcom in Star Trek four. Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so would you save all of them then is the Undiscovered Country over Ratha Khan or is again I, I would films? try and save them both if I could. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And is there anything from it's interesting because if we were talking about Star Wars, obviously you said if you were to save one film from the sea it would be Force Awakens over over Star Trek. But to me I, I don't know, I I would be tempted to put in the two thousand nine because like we were talking about, it is so much fun and I think they did a good job with the designs you wouldn't want it there as a representation of Star Trek but I do feel if you were going to have a movie vault then the original Star Wars trilogy would be there anyway so we yeah. not need The Force Awakens kind of thing so yeah I get I, you I would sort of make an argument for the 2009 one but I, I don't know depends how many we can have in there really usually I yeah. try to keep to about three or so but we've
2: already put in most of the original series movies yes.
0: <laughs> well, well, like, well if you were to choose from the original
1: series ones, like you said well, let's go and, and discover the country if we're going and, to pick yeah, one yeah, yeah.
3: I think, to be fair, given the fact that there are some consistently good elements about the films, mainly in terms of, like, the casting as well, like, I think we can at least give credit to the first one for at least establishing that and establishing some element of character, even if it gets sort of forgotten. And
0: if in the movie vault in the future, if Avatar and uh, Guardians of the Galaxy goes in there, you can see the RGB colour trio of uh, (laughs) (laughs) Zoe Saldana, who wears (laughs) red... Paints herself green and then CGI's herself blue, yeah. so she has red, green, and blue. Yeah. So you would have room to put multiples if you wanted, but if you were to keep it to two, uh, yeah,
2: I think Undiscovered Country and Ratha Khan. Yes, sure. Yeah, for sure. Ratha Khan. Yeah,
0: I think. Yeah. So cool. Going into the movie vault this week is Star Trek: The Undiscovered Country, Star Trek: The of Khan, and Star Trek: The 2009 <laughs> reboot, which isn't actually its title. <laughs> Awesome. Right. So uh, we now go on to our end game, uh, which this week uh, we've been talking a lot about Star Trek. Craig, if you want to introduce us.
3: So, with this, obviously, the entire premise of this episode is necessarily deconstructing, or in our case, ripping to absolute pieces, uh, the elements of like more modern uh, Star Trek films. So, we thought, given the fact we have two incredibly enthusiastic fans that we would like to see how you would approach it. So this is an end game called Pitch, Please. Um, <laughs> oh, my. So the idea of this is that we're going to give you uh, a maximum of two, maybe three minutes to basically give us a pitch for what you would like to see in, like, your own Star Trek film. You've, you've taken over from J.J. Abrams. You can do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, should we just go straight into it? Uh, like a flip of the coin? Um, yeah, unless you want to go first. I go first.
1: Okay, so I've got oh, just a coin. a
3: coin. No, I've got a coin. Oh. This is
0: better. All right, Pino Quinto. <laughs> What's what? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Who knows? Uh, I'm going heads.
3: It's tails. Oh. Matt, first or second? Second, please. Oh. Okay,
2: three,
3: two, one, right. Begin.
2: Okay, uh, my pitch. I was thinking you could either go for something completely new, scrap this cast and do something new, but I thought, I don't know, you can do whatever you want, then it's boring. And it might as well really do a TV show of that, like of actually just boldly going because none of the new TV shows they actually just boldly go somewhere. and they're always stuck and staring at their own feet Mm -hmm. Um, so I've taken the crew as they are and I think just try to, that core idea of making a version of Star Trek that's genuinely swashbuckling and hopeful and adding in the sense of discovery which is a huge part of Star Trek is the idea of discovering new things and so I thought well let's just go down that route Um, initially I came up with a giant idea and then second guessed myself because I thought oh no this is too silly and hopeful and I thought no it's about being hopeful, so I'm going to double down on a ridiculous, massive idea. Uh, so I was looking at um, things in the universe that they built that would be interesting to explore, so I thought the discovery, uh, the, well, the destruction, and then discovery of a new Vulcan would be a really interesting thing to look in the world and how the Vulcans are kind of like, re-establishing themselves, what Spock's going to be doing and all that sort of stuff. Um, so I thought focus it around that. Um, I also thought about looking at what, in terms of the actors we have, what kind of resources to use. Um, so, because of the cast... Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine. They seemed really interesting when they started, but their stars have kind of waned now. Like, if you were to put Chris Pine in the head of a movie, no one's really going to care. Mm. The most famous of those is Zoe Saldana now. So I think we make her the lead character. So I think we make Ahura save the universe, which I think for Star Trek fans, I would love that, because Uhura's awesome, and she's always been stuck in the background. Yeah. So we... Um, create a, a story in which we kind of separate Kirk and Spock from the rest of the croons and uh Uhura uses her language skills and her understanding of other people to take a different perspective to the idea of like just not just blowing people up understanding people using your knowledge and saving the universe in a better way uh so the idea to get that across is they've got a new Vulcan and they discover something amazing on it I've said a giant animal something that's so big they don't even it's like the side of a mountain it's bigger than the Enterprise and it's so valuable it's going to cause a war between everyone and so they basically got to stop this war from happening Um, so their idea is really that I've called the giant creatures Mega Craigs because they've got to be called something Um, their idea is that the one big Mega Craig will sort of die and so but they'll have like a baby one and so Kirk and Spock will have to kind of go off and in their little adventure they'll be stuck with this kind of baby Mega Craig and like some evil Klingon and they have to learn about, do they sort of chase after the Klingon and kill him, or do they have to nurture? So they learn about nurturing father. Seconds. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, it's about trying to stop a war. It's about hope. It's about discovering new, amazing things in space. It's about, whoa, we're flying the Enterprise under the tail of a giant space whale. It's about having Zoe Sadana as the lead, and it's about being genuinely swashbuckler and saying, we're not going to have wars. We're going to do a better thing. And the end of it, they'll make peace with the Klingons.
3: All right, that's the three minutes. Thank you very much, darling. It's It's all over.
2: Wow. Um, it, one question. Is Zoe Zaldana then the captain? Does that? Well, I thought she'd basically, say so you'd separate them apart and so they'll end up coming back again by the end. But she'll be the lead sort of thing. So I think the idea of them, if they to make peace, you know, she'd be sort of do the kind of key thing to like do whatever the conclusion is. Yeah. That so, makes sense. Yeah. So you can decide then whatever you want to do, whether to keep Kirk as captain. Cool. Uh,
0: awesome. Matt, are you ready?
1: Yeah, I guess I am.
3: Okay. Three, two, one,
1: begin. Okay, so I too kind of wanted to go down the route of maybe freshening up the crew a little bit um, on account of the fact that uh, obviously we some of them are you know, just a little bit annoying and some of them are sort of obviously not with us anymore. So um, what Star Trek did in the movie period, they got Kirstie Alley in to play characters, they got Kim Cattrall, they got a bunch of other people. So I'd get a couple of new actors in to fill a couple of empty chairs on the Enterprise you know, freshen up the cast a little bit, make it make it pop. But what I kind of want to base it around is that um, the original series left us with a notion that there were many cowboy planets in the galaxy, and I feel that um, they were they were underexplored, and I want the cowboy planets to be addressed. So what's going to happen is they're going to go to a conference on like New Deadwood Four um, to try and kind of. Figure out what the hell's going on. Why are there cowboy planets? Get all the representatives from the various cowboy planets together in one place. And then, um...
2: (laughs) I just really like it.
1: (laughs) And have a a symposium of of cowboys. Like a swap meet of cowboys. But it's cowboys, isn't it? You can't trust cowboys. So meanwhile, while all this is happening, uh, a a gold freighter is is travelling with... um, with like twelve thousand tons of gold press platinum in its hold. And while it's it, while it's going to its destination of the planet Pelham 123, uh, it's passing by the Cowboy Symposium on New Deadwood. So a group of unscrupulous cowboys use this opportunity to sneak on to the, the gold the gold press latinum freighter and take it over. And then it becomes an elaborate heist movie whereby the Enterprise is having to chase down the gold freighter and there's a couple of crew members that are somehow on board the ship, you know, maybe an old character and a new character, you know, a gruff old Carl Urban with, like, a sort of, a, you know, a, a, a feisty young doctor character and they're trying to, like, you know, they being kept alive because they're doctors on the gold freighter and they're having to, like, pull, like, space cowboy bullets out of people's legs, you know, real frontier medicine. Uh, all the while, obviously the Enterprise is, is following it, but they can't—they you know, can't get too close. It's dangerous. There are civilians on the ship. It brings back into question that age-old uh, thing with the Star Trek—the the quandary of the um, Kobayashi Maru test. Uh, which features in Star Trek 2009, and it actually plays it into reality, and it ends with all these aspects coming together and, like, the ships lining up, and there being, like, a big fight between a Federation guys and cowboy guys. And we'll get a bunch of really cool actors to play the cowboys as well. We could get Ian McShane on there. <laughs> we could get, um like... Oh, I've got, I got 15 seconds left. We could just, just get all the big, famous people who are in cowboy films. Now get Christian Bale in there, maybe. We'll get... um uh, Christopher Plummer back playing a grizzled old cowboy uh, riding off the success. Okay, Captain America, he can be a cowboy. We'll get him in there. And then it's a big cowboy. And that's the three minutes. Okay. Boom. Yeah.
0: Great pitches from both of you.
1: Both quite
0: distinct <laughs> and, and
3: similar in the same way. So. Yeah, I, I like the fact that both of them play off of the elements of just, like, you know, doing what we discussed that the new film should have been doing, just taking those elements from Star Trek and just building upon them in some form mm. of cinematic scope. So I'm glad that both pitches does, like, fulfill that brief. So thank yeah. you. Uh,
0: yeah, it's it's a lot to, like, take, to consider there. I think, um, I like the idea of Zoe Saldana being the hero. I think that's really good because you do have that, like, well, one, the first film has the issue of her being the only, like, female member mm-hmm. on the crew and stuff. And, and, like I said, the second, Into Darkness, then has um the admiral's daughter <laughs> we called her then come on and um doesn't then do enough to sort of warrant having it another main female character so it then has that whole wonder woman captain marvel saw sort of like five which you know is very popular at the moment um and i do like the idea of it being the sort of like very vivid new planet so that's the only concern i'd have maybe with the the gold thing is that maybe it'd be so much in space it's kinda of like what you had a bit like with the Lost Jedi. It's like, Oh, can we see some planets now
1: kind of thing? But so can be planets, there's a cowboy planet. They can, they can stop
2: off at planet. The gold, the ship can yeah, like the, stop yeah. off. Yeah. It can like race past near planets and they've <laughs> yeah. got to like so get their space
1: horses. You're helping his on the atmosphere I'm adding space horses. Presumably
3: yeah. this symposium has to take Place somewhere. Yeah. Presumably, there has to be a cowboy planet. I yeah. wanted
1: to be like the Hateful Eight. Like I wanted to be like it's a, it's a snowy mountain where this is happening. It's not. Yeah, it's played slightly against type for a cowboy no. planet. I think it's just because I just imagined it with like because Die
0: had these fantastical creatures. I was imagining somewhere with like giant pink, you know, hmm. flowers and something that you'd be like, oh, I've never seen this before. So rather than just a desert or the snow, so that's where I was. I was a bit more intrigued by the visual aspect of that one. But I do then I I do like the idea of the Kobayashi Maru coming back. That is a nice like, link yeah. back to the 2009 film. So, I don't know, Craig, have you got like a concrete idea in your
3: mind? Yeah, so for me, as much as I do love the fact that you called one of your creatures after me die... Yeah, I... <laughs> I'm just too intrigued by how many clashing personalities you can get with the cowboy federations. <laughs> yeah. like
1: confederation. I, I, it's obviously going to be a confederacy.
3: Oh, right? confederacy! Sorry. <laughs> I, I, again, not slept. Um, no, no,
1: no. That's fine. Star Trek has a federation, but the cowboys have a confederation. <laughs> yeah,
3: <laughs> but it's just the fact as well that, again, it's just going down to the element of like you know real politics and having to make a lot of those decisions. I, I really. I really like the sort of dilemmas we get from your film uh, get from your film and it's not to say that I don't like Die's pitch I, I really like Di's, uh, Di's pitch but I think Matt's is a bit more unique uh, not just in the sort of trolling sense of it's just loads of different types of cowboys <laughs> fighting against each other um, but just in the way in, the, in which those personal relationships like played out um, so my vote goes to Matt
2: woo mm-hmm.
0: uh,
3: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: Matt has so got Ian McShane in it. <laughs> I know.
0: So, if we any movie with that, Lovejoy in it. I know, I, was, I did yeah. laugh at that and as And well a Kirstie
1: Alley type as well. And a Kim Cattrall type.
0: But to be fair, all I thought of Ian McShane though was like Pirates of the Caribbean 4. I was just like, oh, is this one of those paycheck oh. gigs for
1: McShane? <laughs> Everything's a paycheck for McShane, isn't it? <laughs> um, uh, you like Robbie Coltrane? We'll put him in there too. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know.
0: I, I just... I do think that it was it's keeping the idea of like the original films but then adding that zoe saldana thing and like the new planet again just to me just sounded like it reinvigorated it more to me so i tempted to, to to go for die i think my yeah. vote goes yeah. to die yeah, splitting the uh, yeah um so yeah i suppose we will leave it to the audience in terms of which one they choose we still will have an endgame prize today, so I've quickly brought up a few questions here if you, if you wanted to answer these. Sure. This is apparently the, the toughest Star Trek film quiz in the known universe. Oh, me. Oh, God, I'm
2: going to be really bad.
0: <laughs> so, um, what was the name of Khan's ship? The SS Botany Bay. Correct. Uh, what is the name of the ritual Vulcans undergo to prove themselves purged of all emotion? Pon Ponfar. So the options are Kolinar, Kun at Kal if e uh, Kaswan, Kubiyashi Maru. Kobayashi Maru. I know which one it is now. But I've already guessed yeah, wrong. Yeah, I Did don't you? know which one. So it's Kolinar, k- Kun at e, Kaswan, Kobayashi
2: Maru. I don't know. It's Kolinar. Is it Kolinar? Yeah. Colonar. All right.
0: Uh, it's in the 2009 film I think as well Mm. Uh, Uh, where would one be most likely to find Lieutenant Commander Scott on a pub crawl (laughs) Edinburgh Aberdeen Glasgow or Balmoral Castle Aberdeen yes it is Yeah. a strange question I was like is it Glasgow because Cyber Peg said the Glasgow played by a Canadian yeah uh, what is the name of the frozen Klingon prison planet from Star Trek then discovered country oh. um.
2: I know there's a guy with his genitals and his knees yeah, yeah. Is uh. so
0: the options are Delta Vega Seti Alpha 6 Ice 9 Rura Penthi Rura Penthi yeah because yeah. the first two yeah, is is, is, yeah. Man, yeah. I love Ice 9 yeah <laughs> so you've <laughs> already established you use a Roman numerals why yeah <laughs> um what brand of beer do Captain Kirk and uh, Gillian drink at the pizza parlor in Star Trek The Voyage Home?
1: Is it Budweiser?
0: It is not, so the other options cool. are Miller Light, Coors Light, and Michelob.
2: So I'm going to guess Michelob because I've never heard of it, so I guess it's something from the it's 70s. correct, yeah. <laughs> so what's the score with
0: the five questions? It's
3: three. Uh, so three to Matt, one to uh, we'll one. we We'll leave it at five, and uh, Matt
0: is the uh, winner of that mini yeah, minigame. Yeah, yeah. But we shall leave the end game pitch, please, to uh, our audience to decide. Uh, we will give you a small prize, Matt, and you have won several endgames before as well. Yeah, I have. As it's Star Trek, a it only seems right that you have a medal. Oh, a medal. Which, uh, never get a medal. It has winner on it. I am a winner. <laughs> This is how I won. Let it be known, this <laughs> is how I won. And also, this is Star Trek, so it's about go- discovering, like, you know, unknown species. <laughs> you might know... <laughs> you look like Padme or something. <laughs> like, when I can't your fit dress. it over my headphones. <laughs> so, yeah, Star Trek is known for its unknown species, but you might know this from your childhood. It
1: is a mysterious alien egg. What? Hang on, we have got my medal. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Do wow. You remember these? These are terrifying. This is going to grow into something, isn't it? it?
0: Apparently, if you put it in water, a, a baby comes out of its neck. <laughs> that was the rumor back in the 90s, out of early its neck. 2000s. What yeah. The
4: hell?
1: This is um certainly the strangest thing I've ever been gifted. <laughs> An egg.
0: Yeah, it was those Gunjie aliens you had back I in remember like, them. the early 2000s. Apparently, yeah. if you put it in water, and it would give birth, which was complete uh.
2: To Poppy. Honest poppycock. Seeing this prize, I'm now glad I didn't win. <laughs> <laughs> you might have woken
0: up. <laughs> like, oh
3: my god, it's terrorizing the yeah. entire apartment. <laughs> have you not seen these before, Di?
1: No. No, they're horrifying. So a very disturbing universe. <laughs>
0: Thank you for joining us today, guys. Uh, It's been very fun. Uh, We had a great discussion of uh, Star Trek and Star Wars. The Rise of Skywalker, this episode will be out on the day. It is out worldwide. We should have our review of it up on the website, so go check that out. And there's loads of other interesting articles and uh, reviews and all our other episodes as well, because this will be the last episode of 2019. Mm -hmm. So we look forward to seeing you in the new year, which will be very fun. It's been a lot of fun so far thank you for joining us guys is there anything you guys want to plug talk about Matt obviously you still yeah. got
1: We Make Things Fight yeah We Make Things Fight I've you know, been on a little bit of a hiatus recently because uh, we've had some illness issues going on but we are coming back Fight uh, illness we'll be we need- yeah we'll <laughs> yeah. be recording we've got to make sure that our, our contenders are well mm. to be able to uh, to fight so we we're coming back next week and we're recording an episode on uh, Wednesday mm. and I can reveal it will be a Christmas episode oh. and it's going to be a, a real big Fight! Ooh. Oh dear, Krampus. <laughs> Wing.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Die. Anything. For uh, yourself? My upcoming film, uh, Flight of the Mega Crake, <laughs> uh, which will be a star trek spectacular.
0: Uh, but no. Uh, uh, to be decided by the by the viewers at home. Yeah. So. Check out our social media. We're bound to be putting up the clip. Uh, last time we did Pitch Please, we had just a clip on SoundCloud, which was just the pictures. So you can go listen to just that uh, if you need a refresher. And uh, yeah, hopefully. Uh, last time we were able to sort of sell it at, even on the Polo, just 90s X-Men or um Captain Britain reboot. This one is.
3: I was uh, going to find re- a poll question.
0: Like, uh, like, yeah. Ahura yeah, saves the day or. No, you got. Is- you got
3: Ahura and the Mega Craigs versus the Cowboy Confederation. <laughs> yeah. Cowboy. Yeah, like, Space Cowboy oh,
1: Gobiashi yeah, heist. Yeah. Is this a 50s? And <laughs>
0: sci-fi can, those, film?
2: can we have like a multiverse where we bring in every, car- every version of me and McShane? In all of his time. Yeah. yeah. So we have Ian McChain's Deadwood and Lovejoy. I love Joy. it's important And World, Pirates of the Caribbean,
0: yeah. where he has his mast like, with the ropes. Yeah. Like, and yeah, and,
1: and uh, Ian McShane in The Game of Thrones. We'll get He's them all of that. Yeah, maybe. in his, his 90 Just yeah. not him
0: hanging. <laughs> that would be, yeah. Uh, but maybe him in Jack and the Giants. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, so that'd be fun. Uh, anything for yourself Craig? have you
1: experienced fear that is the challenge that is that is that is the the point of this test i mean you're starting to freak me out now to be honest david i've experienced fear tonight
3: (laughs) no so just a case of um over the christmas period we'll be putting up a lot more reviews of various films especially when it comes to say getting into oscar season so make sure that we'll be doing a lot of coverage of those types of films so just make sure to keep a lookout for that um Hopefully over the Christmas period I get to work on my drunk review that I've been talking about wanting to do for a while. How do you find being drunk? It, it, it's interesting. <laughs> um, but no, apart from that, it's just the usual It's just the usual jazz
0: from us. Cool. Yeah, well, like I said, guys, have a happy new year. Thank you for joining us. Uh, Hope you enjoyed it. Alternate, you know, different take to what your usual Star Wars coverage will be. And, uh, yeah, we'll catch you in the new year with lots of fun topics and more interesting conversations uh, on Well Good Movies. And catch us, like I said, as usual, on freshtakehub.com slash wellgoodmovies. And you can f- catch us on Fresh Take Hub on all social medias as well. Thank you, Matt and I. And uh, we'll Thank see you. you in the na- new year. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.
3: For a split second, I thought, like, I would f- f- up, but he was just like, no... <laughs>